Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. I'm excited to jump into this episode, but before I do, I want to remind you, registration is open and in full swing for the Uncharted Staff Drama Conference in August in Kansas City. It is going to be the full Uncharted experience in a new location with a new subject to focus on. That's right, it's going to have all the stuff you love about Uncharted, all the things you've heard your friends talk about, and it's going to focus on staff drama. That's uh, developing plans for growing your employees, it's pay scales, it's um, it's recruiting, it's retention, it's conflict management, it's HR, it's systems, it's protocols, it is whatever you need to get your culture right. It's going to make a better place for you to work, a better place for you to stay, a better experience for your patients, better experience for your clients. It's generally going to be awesome. And so I'm a bit biased, I admit I love it to death, but it really is going to be great. And so if you're wrestling with staff culture, if you're wrestling with staff engagement, this is something you really need to think about. So head on over to UnchartedVet.com. You can learn all about staff drama and go ahead and grab your spot. We've got less than 100 spots left. They are filling up quickly. You do not want to miss it. If you're still like, I don't understand this whole Uncharted conference thing. Why is it different? Check out the bonus episode from earlier this week, and it'll walk you through what happened just a couple weeks ago in April. So, guys, I hope to see you in August. Let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie. There's a new kid in town, guys. <laughs> good morning, guys. How's it going? How's oh, it going, man. Andy? It's good. It's yeah? really good. I'm fired up. I'm re-energized. I got to go to Washington State University a couple days ago. And um, they asked me to speak at graduation, which is a huge honor. And I was really thrilled to be there. And I just, I love whenever I get to interact with vet students because they're so excited and optimistic and positive and, um, and they're fired up and I just, I, I feed off that energy and boy, I've just, I've just been in the best mood ever since. That sounds like a lot of fun. How, uh, how many students, do you know how many students they had in their graduating class? Was it a big class, little class? About 130. Oh, that's exciting. Think about oh, all yeah. those new new vets coming out into the field. That, oh, that, makes, yeah. that totally. makes my manager exactly heart happy. Right. <laughs> exactly right. There, there's people lined up to talk to them about, hey, come work for me. <laughs> oh, well, that's that's awesome. What do you what do you think about talking talking about something relating to new vets this morning? Let's let's so let's talk about it. So it was a trip down memory lane for me because I was trying to figure out what I was, what do you say? You know, what do you say at graduation? And I really wanted to try to say something that would be meaningful to them right where they are, you sure. know? And, and you can think a lot about when you start to talk about vet medicine and, and a career in veterinary medicine, you can talk for days and days about things that you think are important and stuff, but you really try to get it down and 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 try to meet them where they are. So they're they're coming in and this is the first job that they have, and they've been trained, and they're going to be great. They have the skills they need. Uh, the vet schools have served them well, and they and they're getting ready to start 
their first job. And so I try to get in, into that headspace. And of course, I sort of came up with the things that I think are, are really important to sort of take away. But gosh, there's so much about being successful in your first job as a brand new veterinarian that that no one ever told me. And I just and I started to have that exercise on the flight home. And I was like, man, if if I could go back and say something to myself when I was right where they are uh-huh. and just, you know, a couple of weeks before I started my first job. What would I say? Like, what are the big things that I have seen that I experienced that I struggled with? And then also that I've just seen new veterinarians blow their face off with, you Mm -hmm. know, ever, ever since. And so I thought that we could just go through today and we could start talking about the advice that I would like to give to veterinarians that are just about to start their first job. Yeah, I think that's awesome that I love, I love working with with the newbie vets, they're, they're so much fun. They have so much um, excitement and positivity and they really truly can be such a powerful impact um, on a practice. And they, um, it can also go very sideways, very fast. And, and that can, the weight of that can lie both on the practice itself and the system for mentorship that they set up and on the student themselves in terms of some of the things or the new grad, uh, some of the things that they bring to the table. So I, I love that idea. Let's, let's talk through some of them. Well, I think that there's a couple caveats to start. I think that the way a practice receives a new vet, I think that's a whole separate, I think there's a whole separate episode just, right? just, just to be clear. Right. I, I think that there is absolutely a hundred percent a skill and a system for bringing on veterinarians, making them maximally effective and retaining them for the long term. And that is a real skill and, and a magic act that, that a lot of people have not figured out. And so I, I think that you and I should break that down at, at some point. I think um, I think at some point the veterinarians have a, have a certain amount of control in, in, in what happens. And yeah. I think we want to talk about that. The other caveat I sort of want to put down here is this. I'm not saying that the things we're going to talk about are the key concepts for being a great veterinarian. Okay. And so get your head around that for a second. I'm talking about the key concepts and being happy and successful in your first job. And there are great veterinarians that are wildly unhappy and unsuccessful in their first job. And there are um, not great veterinarians that do great in their first job and really just fit right in there. And so those things are different. I want to get into the meat of hitting the ground as a, as a brand new hire. And this is also, you know, I think this will, I think this will apply a lot to technicians coming into their first job. If, if they've gone through, um, through tech school, I, I'm speaking from personal experience. And so there's going to be some differences, but I, I think this may, may be helpful for, for new technicians as well. Oh yeah. I could totally see that. I could totally see that. So, so let's just start unpacking. I'm going to kind of go through some things that, that I see that seem to really, um, really trip people up. And so the first thing is, I think it's wildly important for, for vet students to know that the way that you did it in vet school is not the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so vet school will serve you well. And if you practice the medicine that you learn there, that will serve you well. And so hold on to those skills or remember what you learned to sort of remember your training but at the same time, as long as there's a reasonable standard of care, there's a million different ways to do almost everything in veterinary medicine. Mm-hmm. And 
coming in and saying, oh, that's not, that's not how you do that. Or that's not the right way to do this. That is, that is a way to get yourself off on, on the wrong foot. And I, and I do see that a lot. And I don't think that students come in and they don't necessarily say judgmentally, but just file that away that there will be things that are done in your practice. I don't care what practice you go to, which are not the way that they did them at vet school. And there's a million reasons for that. One, vet schools are full of vet students and your clinic is full of doctors. And so there are some things that get done differently at vet schools. There's mm -hmm. also a different clientele and everybody has a ton more time in vet school seeing appointments. You know, the appointments come to vet schools and stay half a day and mm -hmm. they stay 30 minutes at your practice. And so there will be differences. There's also difference in economics. Um, you know, the prices in vet school are much higher probably than, than what your clinic is going to charge. All those things play a reason or play a play a role in why things get done. And so know that what you learn in vet school is fantastic and it's possibly optimal. Also know that there are perfectly acceptable other ways to do it. You just want to be very careful in, um, in how you share your experiences from vet school so that people don't feel like you're saying your way is better and their way is, is bad. That doesn't mean that you can't change things later on. But for mm -hmm. right now, that's just a right out of the starting gate mistake that I see a lot of people uh, make as they show up and the first day they say, well, this is how we do it in vet school. And I think they also do it because one of the strengths that young veterans have is they are up on the latest techniques and they have just been trained and they have been, <laughs> you know, um, immersed in, in the latest of veterinary research. And that stuff is super valuable. It's, it's the presentation that matters and, and what you're going to hear me sort of talk about here a lot is, is a little bit of patience. And I think that that is really one of the big make or break issues. Do you have patience? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's so hard. And, and I think you're totally right. I think it applies to new veterinarians coming into practice. I think it applies to new technicians coming out of tech school. Um, and even uh, experienced team members who come from another clinic, it's that that sense for, for all of us, I think, as humans, that that we have received this training, that we have this knowledge, and um, our brain, for some reason, tends to break that down and process it as, this is the way. And the reality is, is that you walk into almost any clinic, and you'll probably find 10 different ways of doing most of the things, right? Like, there's a few things that we do in practice where there is really, truly one or two ways to do it. And that that's that. But there's a lot of style, there's a lot of different um, techniques. And um, part of what I love about a really cohesive team is that they find a way to bring all of those together and decide what is what is acceptable, what is helpful for patients and clients, and work together to build their their way. And so this is where I think um, you know new vets who are just getting started have so much to offer because, as you mentioned, they are up on the newest techniques. They they've worked with the newest technologies. There is a lot that you bring to the table, and I think you hit it squarely on the head when you said it's all in um, having a little bit of patience and how that's presented because there is huge opportunities for you to share that um, that knowledge with the team but if you walk in the door day one and you're like well this is you know this is the way we did it at vet school this is the only way to do it um, it is going to really frustrate people straight out the gate and that's that's not a good feeling for anyone no totally true so there's there's two there's two pieces to that to unpack and, and and you're exactly right okay number one is 
when you're going into a new job, when you're, yeah, it doesn't have to be your first job, but when you're going into a new job, I firmly believe as long as acceptable levels of care are being met, it is more important to fit in than to be right. And that blows people's minds, especially when you've come up through vet school and it's all about getting the right answer. And there is in vet school, a definitive right answer of this is what it is, or this is the best way. Right. I'm not saying you can't change things, but when you hit the ground running, fitting in is more important than being right. Again, as long as an acceptable level of care is being met. And so just you want to integrate yourself into the team because then you will be able to have real uh, impacts and actually affect change. But you have got to get integrated into that team. And the other thing, this is just helpful to get your head around. Everything in that clinic happens for a reason. Okay. Everything happens there for a reason. It may have been that reason got fired three years ago or that it, uh, or when the building got renovated, that reason went away and they're still doing it the old way. But there was a reason that they're doing that thing that they do or do it the way that they do it. Right. Don't, don't say anything until you understand that reason. And that will take some time to figure out. You because it will force you to figure out the politics of the hospital that you're in, the clinic, who's who's who are your leaders, um, and they may not have titles, but they're leaders. Who are your leaders? What is the core philosophy of this hospital? How do they interact with each other? What is the communication style? When you understand that stuff, you're like, oh, I don't like the way they do things up at the front desk. And now I think I have a pretty good reason of why they do what they do. There's still a better way, but I can, I can present it effectively and not just come in and go, I don't have any idea why you're doing that, but it's wrong. And here's a better way. <laughs> so, so those are my two things. Fitting in is more important than being right at, at, at the beginning. And then just get your head around the idea that everything that, that happens there happens for a reason. The first step in changing it is understanding why it happens the way that it happens. And so that just makes you put a pin in your idea and sit back. And again, it's, it's almost like forced patience. You can, if you want to make a change, the first step is understanding what is happening. And that yep. keeps you from, from jumping in and just start trying to, to move people's cheese, if you yeah. will. Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, it is it is a separate topic in terms of things that the clinic can do to support a new grad. But one of the conversations that I have before a new vet typically starts with me is the same that I would with any other team members. Like, look, I want you to have a notebook and I want you to when when that thought about why are they doing something this way or, oh, this is something they're doing and I feel like we could improve it in this way. When that kind of thought pops into your head, write it down. Don't don't blurt it out in the treat in the middle of the treatment room that hey I think you guys are doing this wrong um, because that's going to alienate people straight straight off the bat. But um, you know being able to write it down so that the thought is captured and then being for me as a manager to be able to sit down with them and have regular check ins and say you know tell me tell me what you think what are you seeing they new grads um, man for those of you who haven't worked with new grads or who are thinking about working with your your first new grad, um, or have one starting this summer. I love working with new grads because to me, um, they really are kind of a secret weapon for you as a manager because they come in with all this excitement, and enthusiasm, and they really do see your practice with a fresh set of eyes. 
They don't have biases. They they don't know your team. They're just seeing it for what it is. And so the the feedback that they have to give you is immeasurable to me as a manager. And so I love asking them to just keep a record and then having regular check-ins and talk through those kind of things. And I think that approaching it from you want to fit in with the team so you don't want to alienate people is is a really good way to look at it because everybody wants to feel like they feel comfortable at work and that they fit in with their team. And at the same time, you have so much to offer the practice if you frame it in the right way. And so I think developing a system for yourself so that you're capturing those thoughts and then you're sharing them, whether it's with your practice manager or the practice owner, um, whoever your mentor is in your practices setup, but being able to share that on an ongoing and regular basis will help you kind of not only process those thoughts, but potentially put a lot of that stuff into action when the time is right for the team, because your practice owner or your practice manager will be able to have that 60,000 view um, look at the practice and help you kind of figure out the best way to uh, to bring some of that knowledge to the table. I, I love that. Let me tell you how I royally screwed that up. This is one of this. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. I totally took this wonderful suggestion you have and just drove it right into the ground. Okay. As a new that I this is I'll tell you how I wrecked it. And, and and again, this is one of the things that I really wish I'm glad you brought that up because this is one of the things that I really messed up. And, and it 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 affected my first job. Um so I got the regular check-ins with the with the owners down. Like I usually okay. did that. So it was like, all right, cool. So I'm here, I'm super fired up. I want to make some changes. I want to, I want to be the most valuable young vet that I can be. And I get the changes uh, or get the, the meetings set up with the bosses. And then what I did was I kept my list. I even got that part right. So I got the meetings. I got the list. And then what I did was I would <laughs> come to the meetings and I'll be, all right, great. So I'm, I'm glad you're here. Um, let me go. So uh, number one, I think that our website is not up to speed and that we should be thinking about uh, online booking. And uh, number two, I think that the um, the sheet that we're using to check people in uh, is not complete enough. And number three, I think that we should start a new technician training program and we should have them doing this. And number four, uh, Shelly should work on Saturday. That's uh, she should. I think she should be here. That one especially went badly for me. That was the one that really got me in trouble. And and, and you know, and the I'm first just... meeting. Yeah. I'm dying because I can picture young Andy like super excited straight out of school and going into that meeting and saying, I think that Shelly should work on Saturdays. It's totally like every word of this is true. I swear. And if you know me, you know, it's true. You're like, I could totally see it with my geeky enthusiasm. Like, all right, guys, uh-huh. I, made, I made a PowerPoint presentation to show you. Uh... Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. I, I did. And the first meeting, they just didn't really say a whole lot. And the second, and they, they chuckled. And the second meeting, they just were silent. And the third meeting, we had to have a, a different meeting. <laughs> they were like, mm, okay, yeah. Dr. Rourke, yeah, I think it's was... time to talk about, uh... yeah. <laughs> it's time to talk so... about your style. <laughs> oh, totally. And so, yeah, I, I ticked a lot of people off right at the very beginning. I'm, I'm, and that's not a joke. That's true. I ticked a lot of people off at the very beginning. And, and it came with wild enthusiasm. And I came from a point of, you know, of, of, of really trying to help. And so here's what I wish I could say to young Andy, because I agree with your system of you get this. If you're if you're the management, you say, get this fresh pair of eyes in here. This person is coming from the vet school. They've probably done some externships. They've seen some other places. 
what do you what do you think you know give me some give me some fresh eyes you know like what what would you change what am i not seeing what is your perspective coming in as a new hire and like again one of the reasons that new grads are really useful and really valuable uh, if you're open to feedback mm-hmm. what i wish i could say to young andy is this take those meetings have those conversations you should ask more questions than you make statements the That's... right approach is, hey, so why do we have the technicians ask what they ask in the room? Mm-hmm. What, is, what is the objective when the techs set up the room? Mm-hmm. Why, I mean, the history that they take has been, has been defined. Why is it not a more robust history? Mm-hmm. And, and ask, not because you're trying to, to, to move them around the chessboard. Ask because you want to know. Mm-hmm. And, and then you get straight answers like, Andy, this is the volume of appointments that we're pushing through here. And our technicians are limited in the number that we have for whatever reason they are. But then I understand what the reason is. And you know what I mean? And this mm-hmm. is where we have found to be an optimal amount of time in the exam room. And we spent two years figuring this out. And this is what works in our system. And you go, oh, I have now learned something here. And when I, if I make proposals in the future then they will have this knowledge base behind them and they'll be legit and they'll, and they'll make some sense and they won't just get dismissed out of hand. And so yeah. that was the big thing for me is I, I did not do the exercise. I just talked about first off the bat, which is everything in your practice happens for a reason. Figure out what it is before you start asking to make changes. Right. I blew that, which is one, it's probably why it's the first thing that comes to my mind is it did cause me discomfort in my first job. And then, um, and then I just, I didn't ask questions. I, came in, I was like, oh, let me tell you what I see. And, and it was kind of presumptive in that way of not seeking first to understand. So yeah. I agree the 100% with what you say. On the vet side, think about how you do this. Seek first to understand. And as you go along and you understand the culture more and you understand why things are the way they are, these meetings will get more productive. But if you come in and you just start throwing ideas around uh, without without doing your homework or without understanding and without building any trust, right? Mm -hmm. If people don't trust you, they don't really want to hear your ideas Mm -hmm. or they're not going to put a lot of stock in. And that goes all the way into the exam room for sure. Everything we do in the exam room is about building trust so that people will hear you when you make recommendations. You do not have trust in this new practice. And Mm -hmm. so you need to get it and you get it by listening, not by spouting out brilliant ideas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And I, I think, I think that leads to, um, the idea too, um, especially with the, the nurses and the technical staff, the, the difference between trying to earn their trust and their respect and versus, um, getting to know them and getting to know them as a team and as, as people, right? Because, um, they have a lot to teach you, but if you go about trying to build those bridges, the, not the the wrong way isn't the right phrase, but depending upon how you go about that, it can make or break your relationship with the technical team. Well, I'll jump in and say there is a wrong way, and I see <laughs> it a lot okay. in new vets. And like, let's just, I'm just going to lay it on the table. So uh, there is one of the biggest mistakes that I see that young vets make, okay? And there's important nuance here, so, so bear with me. Um, the techs make you or break you as a new vet. And I, I, I will go to the mat to argue with anybody about that is the technicians will make you or break you. I don't care what your contract says. I don't care what, you know, what your swanky name badge says. I don't Mm -hmm. care. 
they they support you or they don't and is hard to overstate how much power they have if not in your professional success at this practice then in your happiness because right. if they're not happy you are probably not going to be happy either <laughs> i mean there is very much the happy spouse happy house thing it goes all the way to the vet tech clinic of you know happy techs happy something else but <laughs> i don't know i don't know I, I, let's I'm going to make a note to work on that, but, <laughs> but it's true. It is true. It's they, totally true. So, so they make you or break you. I, I do believe that if you go into a place and the techs have got your back, they will save your bacon. They will lift you up, man. They will grease the wheels with the pet owners. They will get people excited to see the new vet and they will, I mean, they will help you build a clientele. I can go on and on and on about how the techs can save the new vets. That's not, that's not the point right now. I hope that you believe me when I say the techs are your biggest, um, they can be your biggest ally and they can be your biggest enemy that will undermine you. And so you've got to engage the techs in the right way. And for me, the biggest mistake that I see vets make is trying to come in and earn the respect of the technicians. Okay. And, and, and I know people's heads exploded uh, when I say that. They come in and they're like, I'm going to show these technicians how much I know. I'm going to show them that I'm competent. I'm going to show them that they should listen to me. And that morphs in your mind a little bit to, I'm going to show them that I know more than they do so that they'll respect me. And that's when people get really crushed, right? That's because when you come in and you're like, I'm going to educate them about how much I know, or I'm going to show them what I know. I, I know your intentions are good and I know that they're coming from a good place. Mm -hmm. It is really, really hard to pull that off without coming off as condescending, which is the death knell for a lot of young vets coming into new practices. And then again, this may be just a vet coming to a new practice. And generally what happens is you're a bit insecure. I've been there. I, I, I come into a new practice and I'm insecure. Like, honestly, if I wasn't starting a new job now, my first week would be a lot of insecurity of like, what do people think of me? Mm -hmm. Do I fit in here? Do they think I'm a competent doctor? You know, I would have that insecurity, you know, more than a decade out of that school with, mm -hmm. you know, with a resume on the guy knows what he's doing in the exam room. I would still feel that. And so some of your innate instincts are, it's like going to prison. Like I'm just going to go in there and I'm going to, going to embarrass somebody, you know, or I'm going to go in there and I'm going to show them not to mess with me. Mm -hmm. And I do think that that's like fight or flight caveman mentality. Mm -hmm. You, you got to resist that. Okay. So, so you got to cut that. Go in there, not with the intention of getting the text to respect you, right? Go in with the intention of getting the text to trust you. And that is a different, that is a subtle difference. That is an important difference. Go in there and make them know that you will listen to them, make them know that you will support them, that you care about them, that you want them to be successful, that mm -hmm. you care about what their life is like, that you're not going to torture them or throw them under the bus, you know, or, or um, you know, or, or, or make them miserable, that make them know that you're not a tyrant. Mm -hmm. And when they trust you, then they will respect you. When they trust you and they know that you care about them, that you're not going to embarrass them, you're not trying to embarrass them, that, that you, you want them to be happy and successful, that's when you can say, hey, guys, let's, let's do this a little different this time. Or, hey, guys, you know, can I show you a different way? 
you can do that to, with somebody who trusts you. Mm-hmm. If you do that to someone who can't, who doesn't trust you and doesn't know you, you run the risk of saying the exact same thing and being labeled as being condescending. Mm-hmm. And so that that's the, the big difference there is don't try to earn their respect, try to earn their trust and the respect will follow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you're getting to know them too, I think it goes back to, um, the point that we just talked about, as you get to know them and you get to know the team and the individual personalities, um, you're also going to learn a lot about the why things are happening in your clinic the way they're happening. And, you know, the more you know about them as as people and, um, you know, as a as a team and how they function together, the easier it's going to be for you to figure out, well, why are they doing this? It may be, uh, you know, that they do it some way for a reason as simple as because, you know, uh, Sarah, the technician, uh, you know, hurt her back at her last clinic and she, um, you know, everybody just knows that. And so they do something differently to help protect her. That, that kind of stuff only comes out when you look at your team as, as people that you are trying to get to know and not, um, a team that is now yours to command, which it, it sounds it sounds kind of crazy, but it's it's really easy, I think, um, and I have certainly watched it happen with new veterinarians that I've worked with to feel like um, the way that they the way that they try and control the environment is to be in control and to be this um, voice of of power and and I'm I'm the veterinarian, I know what I'm doing, and um, it it goes so much better when you step back and say okay, who are these people that make up my team and what can I get to know about them? Because they are absolutely going to make your life so much better and so much um, more efficient and effective when they feel like you are coming onto their team. Well, in the human side of medicine, it's been shown, you know, that, that the number one uh, determiner of, of job satisfaction, I believe for nurses is whether or not they know the doctors that they work with. Mm-hmm. And so and what happens is again, we, we build trust and you end up having a much better experience. If you know the people you work with as people, I'm not saying you have to be friends. You know, I'm not saying you have to, you know, right. Uh, right. spend significant time with these people. But if you want someone to feel like you care about them, but you don't know anything at all about their home life or their hobbies or anything that that's a hard um, duality to square in your mind. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, he really cares about me. Doesn't know about my husband. Doesn't know about my kids. Doesn't know my hobbies. Doesn't know what I do at night. But he really cares. Like that. That that's hard. And so, mm-hmm. getting to know people, I think, it, it does help. It's a good way of again figuring out the politics, figuring out who people are, what they care about, and and again, and building that trust. The more you know about them, uh, and the, and the more you sort of share about yourself the more trust you build. And then you've really, then you've really got yourself into a position where you can affect change and you can get things done. There's, there's two ways to get technicians to, to do things. Okay. As a doctor, there's two levers that you can pull. Um, the first one is the positional power lever. And this is, I'm the doctor, you're the technician, you're going to do what I say. All right. That's positional power. I can, I could get you fired. Like that's positional power. Okay. The other one is relationship power. I care about you and you care about me and I'm asking you if you will help me. I care about you and you care about me and I think that there might be a better way and I'm asking you for your support, mm-hmm. right? 
that positional power lever is a nightmare death trap. Like I, I honestly, and I, I think that I don't know that you can use that lever without it coming back and biting you in the rear. Like I, I don't know that you can use it. I yeah. think that the best doctors, the best leaders, the best managers that in their world, that positional power lever is covered with cobwebs. You know what I mean? And it's like, they remember using it once uh, a couple years ago, but everybody else has got a well-worn greased up relationship lever. Mm -hmm. That is, I like you, you like me. I'm asking for your help. Would you come along with me? Mm -hmm. And that's the lever. And you got to earn that lever, but you need to get to work earning that lever right away. Mm -hmm. And and that positional power lever, I, honestly, especially as a, especially as someone who doesn't have a lot of trust behind it, that's a booby trap. Mm -hmm. I just, just, I just wouldn't pull it unless it came down to malpractice, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, or, mm -hmm. or, or an ethical decision. That, yeah, that's sure. like I'm like, we're not, we're not doing this. But, yeah. but that those instances are few and far between. And so, yeah, that that's my big thing with the techs. Build that. Know that they can make you or break you. Go for trust, not respect. And the respect will come along. Like they will, once they trust you and they know you're looking out for you, out for them, and you're not going to throw them under the bus, you know, they will come along and they will hear you and they will hear you in the way you intend. To your to your example earlier of uh, the technician who's got a bad back, and maybe that's why they do these things. If if you walk in and say, hey, uh, I need you, uh, Kelly, I need you to do this thing. And it's something that she doesn't do because of her bad back. Yeah, you didn't know her about her bad back. But in the ears of the technicians, you're a tyrant. You're like, how right. could you tell? Right. Kelly with a bad back to do this thing. Like they picture <laughs> Cersei Lannister, you know, um, I don't have time for this. Pick up the dog. Um, and again, it's just because they don't know you. But the other thing to realize as a doctor, and I don't think I realized this as a brand new doctor, everyone else, especially the techs are freaked out about you being there. Mm -hmm. Like, because think about how much power you as a doctor have in affecting their life and their day. Mm -hmm. And there's a new vet. And like they, they, you better believe they have anxiety of what if this person is a tyrant? What if they're terrible to work with? What if, you know, what if they're just awful? What if they, what if they tank the, the morale in this, in this practice? They have all those concerns. So you better believe that their anxiety level is through the roof when they're working on you. And you don't think that way because you're like, I'm the new person coming in you are going to affect their lives in a significant way. And so they are looking at you really critically. And that is why asking questions, um, supporting them right off the bat, it helps them relax. And then you are in a much safer place as far as getting their buy-in and their support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Particularly if you're a new grad and you're going into a practice where, you know, it's, it's one or two vets and you're coming in because you you feel like this is a good fit for you and maybe there's some potential for this to be your your long-term home and um you know you and maybe the practice owner both have these grand visions for how it's gonna you know ride off into the sunset happily ever after the that's a scary thing for the team because um the chances are that that vet or those two vets or even three have been there for some time and there's a system, right? That that team has has developed a system, and a lot of it has to do with how the clients interact with that veterinarian or those veterinarians. And so, um, it is a big new unknown, scary. And it's like, okay, is this really going to be the same? And the the answer is no, of course not. You're not 
you're not going to be the same as any other person because you are unique and you are you. The, the fear that you have to assuage in their mind is, are you going to be, um, are you going to be working with them or are you going to be working against them in that sense of rocking their, their world? And that's, that's a significant power that you hold. And so I think how you approach that and how you approach getting to know the team as a whole and how do they work with the veterinarians that they have been working with, particularly in a practice where they've been working together for quite some time is so, so important and really can make or break the relationship. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I think one of the things when, when new vets come in and they're looking at the practice and and you start looking down the road and you're like, what if this is where I'm going to stay forever? And what if I end up here? And what if I end up maybe being an owner here or a medical director here or things like that. And so you start looking down the road and I think that that affects the way that you deal with other people in the clinic. And so let's put pet owners aside for a second. So putting pet owners aside, I think that a lot of us come into new practices, especially as young vets, and we have the idea we're going to fake it till we make it, which means I'm going to come in and I'm going to act like an experienced vet until I am an experienced vet. Right. And I've seen that go the wrong way a couple of times. And this seems counterintuitive, but bear with me for a second. I think there's great power in owning the fact that you're a new vet. You know what I mean? And just not trying to, to pretend that, not trying to pretend that you're not. And I think that that's where I think, I think fake it till you make it is a lot of times where you end up in that realm we talked about before of I'm going to earn the respect of the technicians by showing them what I know. Yeah. And, and because that's what a, that's what a senior veterinarian would do. But the truth is you're not a senior veterinarian. You're a brand new veterinarian and everyone is looking at you through that lens. I think that there's great power in owning the new vet position with your team and saying, guys, I'm a new vet. Own the new vet position and commit yourself to lifelong learning. One of the biggest mistakes you can make is think that I am a veterinarian now. That means I'm done learning. I am the total package. I am the finished product. That's bull stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, this is not true. You're not the finished package. And if you are, you're going to be a really awful veterinarian. <laughs> yeah. It's totally true. It is. The worst veterinarians are the ones who think that they, I mean, horribly awful veterinarians are the ones who believe that they were done learning when they graduated from vet school. And there yeah. are some don't mm-hmm. be one, mm-hmm. don't be one. Mm-hmm. And so no. come in and be like, I have a great foundation of education. I have limited, very limited experience, but I'm here to learn and to support the team and I will get better and I will grow and you will get better and you will grow working with me. And this is where we are. And I want you guys to watch my back and I'm going to watch your back and we are going to be awesome in the future and we're going to have fun getting there. And man, that is such a breath of fresh air because everybody's ego goes away and you're in a good place and the techs look out for you. You know, they really do. And so, you know, own being a new vet, own being on this journey of like, oh, you know, I haven't seen this case before. Let's figure out what we're going to do. When I was at Washington State, I was talking to one of the faculty members and he said, uh, you know, I sort of said, what advice do you give these students when you graduate? And he said something, uh, the quote's not exactly right, but essentially what he said was, um, you need to know, or you need to learn how to say, I don't know with competence and confidence. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, that's so right. Yeah. That's the skill yes. is knowing how to say, I, I don't know with confidence and with competence. Uh-huh. And so it doesn't, but, 
but we, as young vets, you feel like, like this is a test when the tech says, what do you want to do doctor? And like, you feel like this is the final (laughs) exam question. And if you say, I don't know, then suddenly they'll realize the emperor has no clothes. Right. And your, and your time is over. And I, that's not true as long as you're honest, you know? And so like, for example, maybe you don't say, I have no idea. I'm completely overwhelmed. I'm out of my element. Like, maybe you don't say that. Maybe you say, when they say, what do we do, doctor? You say, well, I'm just trying to figure out which diagnostics to start with. That is a competent, confident way of saying, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Let's ask Dr. Watkins. That's what I'm saying. No, I love it. It's so it's totally true though. And that's that's it goes for for all team members. One of my one of the things that I really truly believe at my core and it it is a core value for me and how I practice is look, there are no stupid questions and I don't want you to pretend that you know what you're doing. I want you to say, "You know what? That is a great question. I have absolutely no idea, but you know what? I'm going to find the answer. Like, however you phrase that, whether you're phrasing it with a client or you're phrasing it with a member of your team, it is so important that you don't try and bullshit, especially as a new doctor with your technicians. Like if you don't know, don't try and bullshit them because their bullshit meter is spot on at this point. And they're just going to look at you and be like, Dr. Rourke has absolutely no freaking idea what he's doing. And it's not only going to be a thought that's in their head, but they're going to immediately turn to Sarah when she walks into the pharmacy hallway and whisper in her ear and be like, oh my God, Dr. Rourke can't even decide what diagnostics to do on this basic wellness appointment. Like that is exactly what is going to happen. You have to think about how do I, how do I look at this and say, I don't know, but not, but not also make them think that you're panicking about not knowing because there, there definitely are moments where the panic is going to set in, but probably 98% of the time, this is not one of those moments. (laughs) You have to think about a way to say it confidently. I I love that you said that about the bullshit meter because it's so true. (laughs) Vet packs will humble you. Like they totally, I remember (laughs) <laughs> Again, like, like I remember being a brand new vet and I worked with great technicians right off the bat. I had a lot of advantages right up front. Um, and one of them was the awesome technicians. There's one technician. Her name is uh, Jennifer Wagner. Jennifer, if you're out there, I still remember you and I cherished our time together because you, you were one of the great ones. Um, but, but wags uh, obviously is what, is what she was called. And I remember one time I was working with her and another technician and, and she said, well, what are we going to do? And I said, I gave her some real technical answer. Like, well, you know, I think we have to determine whether this is a metabolic uh, condition or if there's an endocrine component to the thing. And we're just going to, you know, we're going to have to uh, look around for what our differentials might be. And the other tech walked up and go, what are we going to do? And Wags looked at him and goes, he doesn't know. fantastic and she said it right in front of me like he has no idea and it was like it was awful because it was totally true (laughs) i was like yeah what she's right i (laughs) oh my god i love it i love it but that's (laughs) but i mean let's be real like we as as a member of the of the technical team like I'm not expecting you to know the answers. Like I get that you are just out of school and there's going to be a lot of things that you don't know. 
And the quickest way <laughs> to find yourself at the top of my bullshit meter is to say, uh, yeah, I'm going to make up a bunch of stuff and I'm going to start throwing out technical jargon for me as a, as a tech. Like that's always how I knew they had no idea what they were talking about was when the technical jargon and the school talk came out. I could tell that they were like, that's their safe place. That's, that's where they feel comfortable. I mean, they just spent years in that zone where they went to the books and they went to the fancy language and they went to the, to the gold standard stuff. And when that started coming out in spades, I would, that was my cue to be like, they don't know what they're, they don't know what they're doing. And <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's the time when your tech team can be so invaluable to you as a, as a new grad to, to give you some suggestions not because they're a doctor and they're coming at it from a place of medicine, but because they're coming at it from a place of routine and structure and what they've seen over the years in practice. And sometimes as a new grad, like you, you are thrown into the deep end of the pool and you are just trying to tread water. And sometimes just hearing somebody say, um, if, you know, if you said to them, I need to figure out where I want to start with my diagnostics for them to just say, well, would it be helpful if we did, you know, this test or this test? Sometimes just having somebody make a suggestion like that can trigger the fear factor to drop exponentially and for you to actually be able to focus and think, oh yeah, okay, this is really, you do know where you want to go. You're just in that moment of panic. And that's where your tech team can be your best friend is to help give you some of those suggestions in terms of the things that they have been doing day in, day out in the practice for however long they have been there. Right. And I think that that also is important for you as a new grad, because especially if you're going into a smaller practice the clients also are accustomed to um, kind of a system and a structure. And if if the doctors that you're working with tend to do certain things diagnostically, um, and, and now all of a sudden you're recommending something from the vet school brain, it can, it can be fine, particularly if you have excellent client communication skills and you can explain to them why you want to do the thing that you want to do. But if it just is because you don't know where else to start, the clients are going to see that too. And they're going to be like, well, you know, Dr. Jones normally would just say, let's start here. Um, they're going to know that too. And so being able to leverage your tech team and get that information out of them, I think is, is super, super important. So, yeah, I agree. So there's three phrases that I will lay down that I, that I use. Um, the first two are, are the ones that I've used and will continue to use at, at new practices, right? Whenever I, if ever I'm working at a new practice, I'll say, I use these. So the first one is you turn to the tax and especially for like wellness or whatever. And you're trying to figure out what blood panel to use. There is a blood panel that they use and right. there's a reason they use it. And it's the hospital panel and it's what they've set up and it's easy, you know, it's in the inventory, but it's the one. And so look at the tax and just be like, all right, uh, what's the hospital protocol for these cases? Hmm. And then you're asking them a straight question. And a lot of times they will say, oh, well, Dr. Smith usually does them like this. And then I'm not saying you have to do that, but I'm saying now you know what Dr. Smith does. Right. And if you do it differently, you can, you can, I might mention to the tech why I would do it differently just so they don't go, Dr. Rook doesn't like the way Dr. Smith did it. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just, you know what I mean? But right. I get that he does it this way. In this particular case, I want to add this other thing. Um, so what's hospital protocol? 
or, or what protocol do you guys have for this, uh, mm -hmm. for these cases? The other one is I would say, how does, um, as a new vet, you can say, great. So, um, is there a way that Dr. Smith usually approaches these? And that's if, if it's say as a two prep practice, mm -hmm. just ask the tech straight up, um, before I get started, how does Dr. Smith usually approach these? I just want to make sure we're, we're in sync. Mm -hmm. And it, and it's, those are just straight up, honest to God questions of, I may even know exactly what I want to do. Tell me what he does. And then that way I'm not going to blow people's minds when right. I start doing it differently. Well, let me know what your understanding, uh, technician is of how we approach these so that you don't think I'm doing voodoo black magic when I do it a different way. So, <laughs> so, um, what's the, uh, what's the hospital protocol for these cases? How does Dr. Smith usually approach these cases? Mm -hmm. Those are not taboo questions. They do not make you look stupid. They make mm -hmm. you look like you're trying to get in sync mm -hmm. with how this hospital operates. Mm -hmm. And that, that's really it. Um, so those are, those are two phrases I use. The one that I, I still use, I use it all the time. I use it on, like every day in practice. The text will say to me, uh, Dr. Work, what, what do you want to do? And I will look at them and I'll say, I got to do some research. Huh? That's it. I got to huh? do some research. And it, it's, it, it's me saying, I, I don't know. But huh? it's, it's also rolling like, I'm going to find out. All the things together. I gotta, what, what are we going to do? I got to do some research. And what that means is sit tight while I look this up, you, you know, or while I do a background check or even my research may be asking the other doctor, hey, <laughs> how would are you, you do using this? this drug here? You know, or are right. you, uh, you know, are you, how do you approach these things? But it's honest and it's true. And it's, but it's also said with confidence and competence. Right. How do you, wh what are we going to do? I got to do some research. Then we're going to get going. Right. There is a well, plan. It involves me figuring out what we're doing and then doing it. And, and I think that that's important in, in my experience with, with new grads, and, and I have been fortunate to work with um, a good handful of uh, amazing ones over the last few years. Um, part of it, too, just on a simple level, like as a, as a technician, you're looking at them going, why can't you just tell me what, what drugs you want to do, what drugs you want to use? The, the reality <laughs> is... Tell me what drugs you want to do. I don't <laughs> Tell me what drugs. Tell me what drugs you want to use. The the reality is, is that in in vet school they may have had different stuff than what's in your your pharmacy, and so it's not a matter of they don't actually know what drug to use. It's that they don't know what drug to use off of your shelf. Like what what is going to be comparable? What what do they have to think about? And so really, it is for them looking at looking at plums or looking at um you know their list of stuff and trying to figure out what are they used to using and what are they comfortable with their mental calculations on comparative to what's on your pharmacy shelves. And that that's huge. Just, just trying to figure that out. And so being able to say, I got to, you know, I got to do some research or I want to, you know, I, I need to calculate some things on this. It's not, it's not that you don't know, it's that you have to think about what is going to work. And so I think it's important to help the technicians realize that because they are going to be looking at you and thinking, do they really not know or do they just need some help? And if it is absolutely okay, it's absolutely okay for both to be the case. Like there are going to be times where you absolutely don't know. Don't try and bullshit your way out of that. Like you haven't been out of school 20 years. You don't need to be able to make the same decisions and function at the same level that the senior vet you're working with does. But you also, you know a lot more than you know, and you need to figure out how to, 
set yourself up for that with your technical team and get them to believe that you know what you're doing. You just need a minute to gain some additional resources because when they understand that that's where your brain is at the majority of the time, they're absolutely going to help you out. And they're going to be the first ones to say, okay, well, while you think about that, can I go into room B and can I cover X, Y, and Z with the client? And they're going to probably volunteer to take a load off of your plate, right? Like they want to help you. So you have to, you have to come at it from a, from a place of confidence, even if you really need a moment because you, you have to get out the books and you have to figure out where you're going to go. Yeah. Oh, totally. I completely agree with that. So, so let me make one final point to kind of wrap this up as the vet. It is easy when the techs ask you, what do you want to do to, to feel, to feel challenged or feel questioned or things like that. Just one of the things that will save you. And I, this is just, will save you a million times over. Just assume good intent. Mm -hmm. Just assume that everybody, whatever they say, just choose to see it in a positive light. Even though it's not the most positive light, see it in a positive light. I think a lot of times people, and it's because it's our own anxiety, our own insecurity, we take things that people say to us and we look at them through an insecure lens and we say, oh my God, was she, was that a criticism? Or, oh my gosh, did she, she, she said that because she doesn't, she thinks she doesn't think I know what I'm doing. Just assume good intent and, and that will, that will flavor all of your communications. All right. And so there's one last point that I want to make. And then I think we got, we got to wrap this up. I just want to say to young doctors and, and to practices, Leaving the job is not betrayal and it is not failure, right? Mm -hmm. it, it is. I think that a lot of times both practices and veterinarians put this weight on themselves of, oh crap, what if it doesn't work out? That mm -hmm. will mean everyone will think that I'm a horrible veterinarian if it doesn't mm -hmm. work out. Or the clinic will think everyone will think that we are not good mentors if the person leaves after a year. That's not true. That's it's just this is not marriage. It's a one year contract. Mm -hmm. And so go in, see what happens, you know, get your head in the right spot. Just learn and accept it for what it is and do your best. And at the end of a year or at the end of two years, no one knows what's going to happen. You mm -hmm. may decide you need to move, your spouse may move, or you may decide that you want to go back into an internship or a residency or uh, who knows you, you're not, this is not a marriage. You're not committing for life. It is a one year contract. Mm -hmm. And so go and do the work, become the best veterinarian you can be. And if you leave, know that most veterinarians leave their first job. Mm -hmm. There are some that stick around and that's an awesome thing. And everybody should hope for that. But if you're there for two years and you think, you know what, it's time for me to go somewhere else and do something else. That's not failure. That's mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think it's really important for the practice managers and the practice owners who are, who are looking at working with new grads to look at it from the same perspective, because if you are hanging all your hopes on this, this new grad relationship, don't, don't. Because they, they're coming out of years of um, really intense um, physical and emotional and sleep-deprived work. And so it is going to take them a bit to get their feet under them. And they may be there and they may stick around and it may be the happily ever after, but it also may not. And if you put all of that weight on it, you're going to be, you're going to be angry with 
them and it's going to sour the end of what could have been otherwise a great relationship, but you're also going to put that weight on yourself and then you're going to feel failure and you're going to feel like you sucked at your job when they, when life happens and they move or they decide that they're going to, you know, start a family or their spouse gets relocated or, you know, 10, 10 million reasons why life happens and it doesn't work out, you're going to feel that weight on yourself. And that's a really crappy place to be as an owner or as a manager. And so you have to have to look at it like, let's take this one year at a time. Yeah. And if your goal is for it to be happily ever after, you'll feel a lot better about the situation if you look at it from a one year at a time perspective. Yeah, I completely agree. Awesome. Well, thanks for unpacking this with me. I really appreciate it. Is anything else you want to add before we go? No, I'm I'm super excited for all you you new grads that are are coming out the gate. I'm I'm super excited to see you guys getting started in practice, and um, you know I love seeing all the excited social media posts from clinics who have their their new grads starting and are introducing them to their clients. And I'm just super excited. This is an exciting time of year. Oh, me too. I I love vet medicine. It is not an easy job. It is a hard job, um, but. It is a purposeful, meaningful job. And I think that so many people wish that they had that and, and we have the possibility of having it. Mm-hmm. So welcome yeah. aboard. Um, welcome to the field. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right, guys. Take it easy. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. And that is what we have for you today. Guys, congratulations to our new graduates out there or soon-to-be new graduates. I love this field. I love being a veterinarian. I hope you'll love it, too. Thank you so much to the students at Washington State University, the new doctors from Washington State University, who invited me to come and and share their special day with them. And it was a deep honor. It was wonderful to meet you all. I wish you nothing but the best. I am super excited for what lays before you. Guys, if you have things you would like for me and Stephanie to talk about in the future, let us know. Send us an email. The email address is podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. We'll do our best to see if we can maybe uh, cover it in an episode. Gang, until we meet again, be safe, take care of each other, have a great night. Bye.